This message by Tony Carter was recorded during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Tony serves as the lead pastor for East Point Church in Georgia. Well, it is a joy once again to be here with you this morning. I was indeed um, just um, encouraged yesterday to spend time with uh, some of the fellows yesterday evening and um, getting to spend time with the, with the team and particularly spending time with um, those who are going out on the church plant and uh, with um, Josh and, and Drew and talking to them and, and spending time with Josh and um, being reminded of just how long I have been coming here. <laughs> I mean, Josh was a little boy. And look at him. <laughs> and I just looked, I kept looking at him, and I'm like, wow, what are we doing? <laughs> I mean, okay, enough is enough, Bill. You know, we've done this thing, okay? <laughs> it is time to move on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but it is good. It is good, once again, um, to be here and to be, um, to be encouraged um, by you and my time with you here again. I bring you um, blessings and greetings from East Point Church, who um, considers uh, Cornerstone a blessing in so many ways, uh, both in uh, friendship and example, um, and partners um, in the gospel over the years. And so we just so appreciate um, you, who you are and who you've been. Uh, and so... I send you greetings. I bring you greetings to, to you from them. And again, if you're ever, ever in the Atlanta area, please, please do not hesitate to stop by and spend time and, and greet us. It'd be our pleasure to welcome you to the East Point area and to show you um, the hospitality that you uh, show us anytime that we are here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, this morning... Um, I've been tasked with preaching a message on the resurrection, and we want to look at that um, glorious subject from Philippians um, chapter 3, looking at verses 7 through 11. So if you have your Bibles, <coughs> if you could turn there, Philippians chapter 3, <coughs> verses 7 through 11. Cannot think of a more glorious subject that we could discuss this morning. It is always appropriate to discuss our Lord and the glories that is him being raised from the dead. Philippians chapter 3. Verses 7 through 11. 
And the word of God says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I might know him, the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And what I want to focus on this morning is this idea of the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you this morning that you have lifted our hearts and our minds and granted us the privilege and the pleasure of being in this place once again. However we have come here, Lord, we have come here on purpose, according to your glorious providence and in your pleasure, so that we might praise you. Would you show us, Lord, once again the glories of Christ? Change us, maybe a new Christ to us in every way. Open our eyes that we might see him, our ears that we might hear him, our hearts that we might receive him in everything that he would be all in all. In his name we pray, amen. amen. What makes a bird a bird? Now you may have never pondered that question. But this morning I ask it because when I was a child, I used to watch the electric company. Some of you might be familiar with the electric company. It was a, a children's educational show, much like Sesame Street. And there was a segment in the electric company that asked this question, that what makes a bird a bird? And I, I distinctly remember that because I learned something that morning. And it stuck with me. What makes a bird a bird? Is it because it has wings? Birds do have wings, but so too do bats and bees. But obviously they are not birds. What makes a bird a bird? Is it because they fly? Well, penguins 
and ostriches are birds, and they don't fly. What makes a bird a bird? And the answer is feathers. Feathers. What makes Christianity Christianity? What separates it from all other religions in the world? Is it because we are called to love God and love our neighbors? Is it because we call God Father? Is it the command to treat others like we want to be treated? No, 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 beloved. Those are not the things that make Christianity Christianity. No, what makes Christianity Christianity is the resurrection of Jesus. Christianity is known for many things. There are many things we could say we believe. But at the center, at the core, at the core of there is one non-negotiable, one, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The core message of Christianity is simple. The conviction that Jesus Christ died on the cross and three days later was raised from the dead. This is the point of our proclamation. This is the climax of redemptive history. Everything in the Bible prior to this points forward to it. Everything in the Bible after this points back to it. To read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is to read the life of Jesus as it builds to the cross and ultimately the resurrection of Jesus. All four, all four of the Gospels focus on the resurrection of Jesus. Not all four focus on the birth of Jesus. Not all four focus on the teachings of Jesus. But all four make the point and focus on the resurrection. And unfortunately, unfortunately, we often make Jesus out to be some wisdom guru, right? Like, like Confucius or Gandhi or Mark Twain. And we like to quote him 
in popular culture, when we want to make a point or use him as some authoritative figure. But the point of the Bible, beloved, the point of the Scripture is not Jesus simply as teacher, not Jesus as prophet. It is Jesus as Savior risen from the dead. Savior risen from the dead. Unfortunately, today, we make Christianity about many things, many things, cultural wars, ethnic diversity, social justice, politics. And yet, you read your Bible, there is only one thing that really, really matters in the Bible. That's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You read Acts and the early testimony of the church. The thing that mattered to them was the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. The early disciples of Jesus were not testifying to Jesus being a great prophet. They were not testifying to Jesus being a superior religious teacher. Their witness was that Jesus was raised from the dead. Peter made this clear in his first sermon preached after the resurrection on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verse 23 and 24, Peter stood up and said, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified, killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. That's the point. Whatever else we are talking about, this Jesus we are proclaiming, God raised him from the dead. And when Paul, the apostle, wanted to be clear about the core message of the gospel, he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Verses 3 and 4, for what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance. This is it. This is the first most important matter, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. <clears throat> In other words, of all the truths that we proclaim, it is the resurrection that makes the eternal difference. 
It is what matters. It is the central truth of our faith. It is the power behind the Christian life. That's the power behind the Christian life. That's the fuel. That's what, that's what fuels the Christian life. Christian faith is fueled by the resurrection. It is the power that changes your perspective. That's what makes the difference. That's why it's so important. That's why it was so important for the early disciples. Because it changes everything. That's why it's important that the church never lose sight of it. Because that's the only thing that really matters. Because that's the only thing that can really change things. This is, what, this is the point that Paul makes. Don't miss this. This is the point that Paul makes. Those who believe Jesus is raised from the dead really, really believe it and have experienced that life-changing power bear witness to it. Did you hear what I said? Those who believe that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead and really believe it and have experienced that life-changing power bear witness to it. And this is the point the Apostle Paul is making in Philippians chapter 3. Because this is what really matters. Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything for Paul. Changed everything. And it will change everything for you too, if you think about it. If you think about it and stop thinking about everything else and really think about that, It'll change everything for you, too. It'll change everything for you, too. For Paul, before Christ, his life was tied up in his ethnicity. That's what it was. His Jewishness. And that was because being a minority and experiencing oppression and injustice that Jews experience in that culture and that context, cultural and ethnic pride was everything. It had to be. That was survival. That was life. The only way you could survive was digging deep into your Jewishness. And that's what he did.
he was a Jewish nationalist. He was a religious zealot. He was Jewish and proud. For him, Jewish lives mattered. And then Jesus happened. And notice what he says in Philippians 3, verses 4 and 5. Listen to what he says. Describing, describing his Jewishness and how he understood it. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, in their Jewishness, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, a Jewish nationalist, a religious zealot, Jewish and proud. As far as Paul was concerned, his Jewish identity was everything. It defined his life. It gave him significance. It was a source of pride and confidence. There was no power in his life like Jewish power. And that was until he experienced Christ and the power of the resurrection. And what difference did it make, beloved? It made all the difference. For then he declared that Jewish power was no match for resurrection power. Verse 7. But whatever was gain to me, now I consider loss for the sake of Christ. All that, all that confidence, all that power, all that assurance, gone. I've met Jesus. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things and consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes in through faith in Christ. Are you kidding me? that I might know Christ 
and the power of his resurrection. I want you to listen to me this morning. I want you to hear what the Apostle Paul is saying. That the resurrection of Jesus is a power more powerful and desirable than racial and cultural identity. That's what he's saying. And there is nothing in our world, beloved, that is more powerful than racial and cultural identity. And Paul says, yes, there is. There's the power of the resurrection. And this is what the resurrection has proven over and over again. Listen, listen. This is the power of Christ. This is the power of the resurrection. Christianity is the most culturally and racially diverse religion in the world. Do you understand that? Not only is it the most culturally and diverse religion in the world, it is the most culturally and racially diverse religion the world has ever seen. Jesus and his resurrection, beloved, is believed and professed by more peoples over the globe and more diverse people in every hemisphere and every continent on the earth. Today, every color of humanity celebrates the resurrection. Why is that? Why is that? The reason that is, beloved, is because unlike other religions and common perception, there is not any distinct culture you must embrace in order to embrace being a Christian. Did you hear what I said? There is not a distinct culture that you must embrace in order to embrace being a Christian because the core of our faith is not based in a moral teaching or a primary language or a primary people. It is based upon the testimony and witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that transcends culture. That transcends race. That transcends people. That is a power that overcomes prejudices, <clears throat> overcomes prides, overcomes differences, overcomes discriminations. And so there is a power 
There's a power available this morning. There is a power more powerful than white power. There's a power more powerful than black power. There's a power more powerful than Latino power. There is a power, Paul would say, even more powerful than Jewish power. It is resurrection power. And it is the power that changes perspectives. It is the power that changes lives. It is the power that creates new people. It's a power that creates new community. It is a power that creates new life. That's what Peter says. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, who has caused us to be born again to a living hope through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the power. Cause us to be born again to a living hope. That's the difference. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. That's why we're friends. You know that? Do you know? Do you know that you and I would not be friends I can look out on this room and I am pretty sure that I would, none of you would be any of my friends apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Think about that. That is the power of it. It changes lives when you understand it. And you embrace that power. It will change you and your world and the world around you. That's what we've been brought into, born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is the power. This is the power of the resurrection. The power is our help and our hope. That's what it is. It is our help and our hope. What is power? What is power? Okay. Power is the ability to help and instill hope. That's what power is. To be powerless is to be helpless and to be hopeless. Those with power can help. And therefore, they give hope. And this is the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection is the power to help and to give hope. The power of the resurrection is to help. 
It is the help you need to get through this life and into the life to come. That's what it is. This is what most people are after today. This is what most people are after today. Help. Help. It's what they need. All week long, that's what we need, help. That's the phone, most of the phone calls you get, what, what they want. Somebody wants some help. They want help moving. Kids want help with school. Sickness, addiction. People want help with their relationships, marriages, children. They want help with work. Anybody need help this morning? Yes, we all need help. Of course you do. Everybody needs help somewhere. And because, and because we don't always get the help we think we need in this life, that's why, that's why the bookstores are filled with all these self-help sections, which is really an oxymoron because if you could help yourself, you would need help. <laughs> but because we can't help ourselves and we get disappointed, we fall into despair and doubt and disappointment and discouragement. That's when doubt and discouragement comes in. And I don't know about you, beloved, but I have them. I get discouraged. I go through moments of doubt. What do you do with it? What do you do with your discouragements? What do you do with your doubts? What do you do with your disappointments? Well, I remind myself that Jesus is alive. I tell myself over and over again, no matter what else is going on in my life, Jesus is alive. And therefore, I take it to Jesus. I tell myself that the Savior is not dead. He is risen. He is risen indeed. His death has forgiven me of all of my sins, and his resurrection provides fuel for my life. The Lord is not dead. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Everything else may be going south. But Jesus is still alive. He who is alive is my helper. Whatever I'm going through, I'm reminded the one who has risen, he's already been there. He's already been there. He's done that. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, like just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of 
of need. Why? Because he is alive. He's been there. He's done that. He knows. This is the power of the resurrection, the power to endure suffering in this life, the power to overcome pain and hurt and disappointment in this life. This is the power of the resurrection, the power to love and forgive your enemies. This is the power of the resurrection in this life, the power to sing through sorrow. This is the power of the resurrection in this life, the power to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why? Because Jesus is alive. Death has lost its victory, and the grave has been denied. That's the power of the resurrection. The Christian, the Christian alone can keep singing in the midst of sorrow. The Christian only because Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Death has lost his victory. And the grave has been denied. It is this help, this, this help that brings us hope this morning. You see that? It is this help. Therefore, you have that help that brings you hope. Psalm 146, verse 5. Psalm 146, verse 5. Blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Why? Because God doesn't separate help from hope. Those who know God is their help always have hope. The, red, the power of the resurrection is the power to help, which always instills hope. Hope. And the power of hope may be the greatest power there is may be the greatest power there is. And no one gives more hope than the living, resurrected Jesus. The most discouraged people this morning, beloved, in this world are not those without food, are not those without shelter this morning, is those without hope. Someone has once said that humans can live 40 days without food, four days without water, eight minutes without air, not a second without hope. The hopeless life is the futile life, the life not worth living,
what oxygen is for the lungs, so is hope for meaning in human life. Hopelessness and despair afflict our world all around. Hospitals, hospitals are filled with people who have lost hope. That is why politicians, politicians make it their point to, to have campaigns telling people over and over again, keep hope alive, keep hope alive, keep hope alive. But for Christians, beloved, for Christians, the slogan is not keep hope alive. The slogan is Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And because Jesus is alive, hope is alive. Hope is always alive. And in Christ, therefore, life is never hopeless. This is the power of the resurrection. This is what got the disciples out of hiding. You know why the disciples went into hiding? They had lost hope. They thought it was over. They thought it was hopeless. Jesus was dead, <laughs> and it was hopeless. Life was done. It was over. And they went into hiding because there was no hope. But when they learned that Christ was raised from the dead, Hope was alive. Hope got them out of hiding. And this is what encouraged the witness of the early church. This is what empowered the lives of the saints in the midst of persecution. So this is what gave them hope, the resurrection. This is what Peter said. Peter, the apostle Peter, who at one time, denied Jesus. Peter, who was at one time ashamed to be named among the, the disciples, this Peter, who went into hiding after they had arrested his master, this Peter said after the resurrection in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 again, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A living hope, a living hope, a living hope, beloved. Life at times is filled with darkness. I understand difficulties and doubts, beloved, and even death in this life. But no matter how dark, no matter how difficult, no matter how many doubts, life for the Christian is never hopeless. Never hopeless. Why? Because our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is in the one who has conquered death and is alive forevermore. 
Our hope is not in our own abilities. Our hope is not in our own strengths. Our hope is not in our own judgments. Our hope is not in politicians. Our hope is not in prophets. Our hope is not in parents. Our hope is not in teachers. Our hope, Hebrews 6 and 19 tells us, must be in something much more solid, much more firm, much more secure. Why? Because life comes at you too fast for that. Life comes at you fast. And you better have a sure, firm foundation upon which you have placed your hope. It comes fast. I know one day you're in elementary school, the next day you're in high school, the next day you're graduating college, just like that. One day you're a child, the next day you're a parent, the next day you're a grandparent, just like that. Fast. Change is quick, and it is inevitable. And you better have a solid foundation. You better have an immovable and unshakable truth. You better have something that can't be moved, something that is sure, something that has stood the test of time, something that you can bank on, beloved. You got to ask yourself this morning, what truth are you hanging on? What hope are you building your life on? What are you hoping for? Hoping to get a raise? Hoping to get accepted in school? Hoping she'll say yes. These things may or may not work out like you hope. And a lot of what we call hope is really just wishful thinking. Like wishing somebody a happy birthday. Or wishing that you get a job. Or wishing you get approved for the house. But the power of the resurrection, beloved, is not a wish. Christ is not a wish. Christ is not a genie. Christ didn't die and raise again to grant you three wishes. No, beloved. Christ died and rose again so that you would have hope. Hope that is a sure foundation. Hope that cannot be shaken. Hope that will stand the test of time and eternity. Hope with which you can face today, hope that will give you a guarantee for tomorrow. Hope that says, weeping may endure for a night, but the hope of joy will come in the morning. Amen. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy will come in the morning. How do you know that? I mean, we say that. 
We say that. And the Bible says that, and we quote that. Psalms 30, verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. How do you know that? How do you know that? You know it because that's what Annie said? The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there will be sun. Just thinking about tomorrow. Clears away the cobwebs and the sorrow till there's none. But when I'm stuck with a day that's gray and lonely, I just stick up my chin and I grin and I say, you know what I say? I say, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, I know he holds the future, and life is worth the living, Annie, because my Savior lives. That's how I face tomorrow. Because... My Savior lives. Weeping may endure for a night, but I know joy is coming in the morning because my Savior lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. It's amazed that he could love sinners condemned, unclean that his power, his resurrection power, we can know, we can experience, we can rejoice in. Thank you for changing us this morning, bringing us into this new life, helping and granting us hope in Christ Jesus. You are wonderful. You are glorious. You are mighty. You are good. You are worthy. Yes. Worthy, worthy to be praised. Yes. Lord, I pray that every soul here is experiencing the power of the resurrection. They have been born again unto a living hope through Jesus Christ, our Savior. In his name we pray, amen. This message by Tony Carter was recorded during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Tony serves as the lead pastor for East Point Church in Georgia.